0: Hebrews chapter 2. Hebrews chapter 2. We are in a series in the book of Hebrews when the theme of Hebrews is the um, preeminence and the sufficiency of Jesus Christ. Uh, He is the preeminent one in all the universe, He's the theme of the Bible, and uh, He is all sufficient to meet all of our needs. You know the verse real well. My God shall supply all your needs according to His riches in glory by Christ Jesus. This morning we're going to look briefly at the um, chapter 2, verses 14 through 18 that was read for us this morning. Jesus' uh, destroyer of the power of Satan and death itself. There are many, many reasons why Jesus came. In fact, a man by the name of John Piper wrote a book called 50 Reasons why Jesus came and died. Fifty reasons. You know, we usually think of one, we put it at the top. He died to forgive us of our sins. But uh, um, this, is, this is very clear in Scripture. 1 John chapter 3, verse 8, the apostle wrote and said, For this purpose the Son of Man came and was manifested, that he might destroy the works of the devil. And we're going to be talking about this uh, this morning somewhat for a while. He came also to free us from bondage to the fear of death. That was clearly presented in this passage here. Uh, When we know Jesus is our Savior, you and I know you know the answer to this, so I'll finish it today. But to be absent from the body is to be home with the Lord. And so we don't fear death. Um, We mentioned this in Sunday school class this morning. We know some people sometimes they're a little concerned about how they die, the process, what will be involved, but not The fact that we die as believers, because when we die, we go immediately into the presence of the Lord. We'll look at this passage again in a little bit. Uh, Christ died to show the wealth of God's love and God's grace for sinners. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us to show us his own love for God. So loved the world that he gave Christ gave uh, his and demonstrated his love for us. He died to take away our condemnation. There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. What a wonderful thing to know when we see the Lord. There's no condemnation. We will um, uh, be in the presence of the Lord because of what Jesus did for us. And he, deli- he died to deliver us from this present evil age. Uh, this world in which we live will be judged. Uh, but we will not be here for a part of that major judgment which is mentioned in the book of Revelation, chapters 6 through 19. Now, there are multitudes of people in our land today who really do not know who Jesus is. We said that the theme of Hebrews is the the preeminence and the sufficiency of Jesus Christ. There may be people who live right next door to you. They don't know who Jesus is. I I, I just... um, you know how we have western days here in Louisville at the uh, end of the summer and uh, have a wonderful opportunity to talk to people about the Lord and and this middle school age young lady came up to the table and uh, we started talking and I said, now uh, you know who Jesus is and she said, I don't know who Jesus is I've never been told about Jesus See there? You you would be surprised. You really would. Um, Forty, fifty years ago, many many people have uh, known of Jesus more than today. The, the the getting out of the message of the gospel. In fact, the uh, claim that Jesus is the only way to heaven is not very popular today because the Western world has been characterized by a philosophy and a um, cultural outlook called. Postmodernism, rejecting all absolutes. Those who are involved in postmodernism claim that there is no absolute truth. The Bible deals with absolutes, gives us the absolutes that God has given to us. But see, sometimes you wonder, well, why is it this person thinks, oh, this is the greatest thing and this is the greatest thing, and and well, because of postmodernism that assertion that there is no absolute truth. In fact, the claim is that any individual determines what truth is. In other words, what may be good for you is not good for me. Now, wait a minute. Jesus Christ is good for me, and He's good for you, and He died for you on the cross. It's very, very important. So the claim that an individual determines what truth is, it's not true. It's not true at all. Then there's the claim that all worldviews are equally valid. All worldviews. There's not one worldview, as you look at the world, that's more valid than the other. They're all equal. No, they're not. God has spoken, and He's spoken in His Word, and we'll touch on this in just a minute as well. Postmodernism in our culture is very receptive to new religions and new beliefs and ideas and practices. Take for instance, the spread of Islam in our world. Islam is a religious system that teaches that Allah is the only true God. That's not true. Allah is not the God of the Bible. The God of the Bible is the one we sang about this morning. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. That's the God of the Bible, right? We have to be very, very careful. Islam is a belief system that claims at least 1.5 billion people throughout the world. And their claim is that Jesus, remember Jesus is the theme of Hebrews, is only a prophet. In fact, their Quran says that Jesus didn't really die on the cross. Well, we're going to be celebrating that in just a couple minutes together. But they claim, oh no, he didn't die on the cross. He was a, a drawn or ascended back up into heaven. And Jesus is only a prophet. No. Not true. It is amazing. Multitudes of people do not know who Jesus Christ is. Hebrews tells us about the preeminence and supremacy of the Lord Jesus Christ. In fact, keep your hand there in chapter 2. Let's go back. I love to look at the beginning of the chapter as well. The book itself. Hebrews 1, 1 to 3. God, who at various times and in various ways spoke in times past to the prophets, to the fathers by the prophets... Hebrews 1, 2, has in these last days spoken to us by his Son, whom he has appointed heir of all things, through whom he made the worlds, who is the brightness of God's glory, the express image of his person. He upholds all things by the word of his power, and when he has by himself purged our sins, sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. Love it. Just love it. It's beautiful, isn't it? It's beautiful. The writer of Hebrews says, God has spoken, and He has spoken through His Son. Jesus said again, I am the way and the truth and the life, and no one can come to the Father in heaven except through me. And that's why we share the message of life in the Lord Jesus Christ. God has spoken. And later in the book, chapter 12, verse 25, the writer says, "See to it that you do not refuse him who is speaking." Um, our faith, our Christian faith, is something that needs to be heard. Now, all of us have been, all of us. I shouldn't be laughing at this, but all of us have been around people where you say something and they don't hear what you say. Or well, they may hear it, but they're not listening to the point where they can respond to what you say. And it is really important. I'm trying to really work on this. When I have an opportunity, you know, to talk to somebody about Christ, that they realize that um, I'm not trying to get them baptized. I'm not trying to get them to join my church or any church. I want them to understand that Jesus Christ left the glories of heaven and came down here and gave his life on the cross to pay for their sins and my sins. God has spoken, Christ has spoken clearly in His Word. Jesus said, heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away. My words will remain forever. So if you want to hear God, we listen to Jesus. Is that clear? If you want to see God, you see Jesus Christ. Remember the Lord said to Philip, He said to Philip, He said, Have I been so long with you? And yet you have not known me, Philip, one of the disciples. He who has seen me has seen the Father. Okay? So Jesus Christ is God incarnate. And when you see Christ, when you hear the words of Christ, you're hearing from God Himself. How awesome uh, the Word of God is concerning the Son. Now briefly, let's look at uh, 2.14 Chapter 2 and verse 14 where it says, Inasmuch as the children have partaken of flesh and blood, he likewise shared in the same that through death he might destroy him or rendered powerless was the translation we heard this morning. Better translation. We'll talk about that in a minute. That he might render powerless him who has the power of death, that is the devil. In other words, the the writer is saying, Jesus Christ left the glories of heaven and took upon himself humanity. He he, um, took upon himself flesh and blood, which enabled him to, in this passage, to do two things. Number one is to disarm Satan to render him powerless and to deliver us from death. And we'll talk about what that means in just a moment. I I thought it was interesting reading down through here again where the writer says, you know, he says, For indeed he does not, verse 16, give aid to angels, but he does give aid to the seed of Abraham. (laughs) Jesus didn't come to deliver fallen angels. He came to deliver us, people, flesh and blood, human beings. He came to save us from our sins. Now you say, you know, I know that truth. I know that Jesus came to save us from our sins. I mean, certainly I know that, right? Yeah, we've heard it for many years, and we love it. We love what we hear. But, you know, be careful of what you see on the Internet, you know? I mean, be real, 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 real careful. Even if it comes under the banner of Christianity. All right, listen to this title. Listen to this title now. And the people who have this website, the title of the website is Christianity, www.christianity.com. Belief net dot whatever dot dot dot. <laughs> Listen to the title of this little article Jesus did not die on the cross for our sins. You know, as soon as I and this is a Christian web page, you know, when I see something like that, you know, when it's the first word you should say heresy. It's wrong, it's absolutely wrong. Most people involved in some type of heresy do not read the truth of the Word of God. Remember Jesus said, sanctify or set them apart through your Word. Your Word is truth. What an article. And basically this person says, Jesus came to be our example. He didn't come to die for our sins. Oh no, my friends. He came to die for my sin and your sin. And you're saved this morning. You, you, You have a relationship with Jesus Christ because you went to the cross and you said, Lord Jesus, I really do believe that you died on the cross for me. And once again, when we come to the table, and I love to come to the table with you. You know, you can you can take communion separately, but God encourages us to do it together in the family of God. When we come to the table, we're going to say, Lord Jesus, just thank you so much that you gave your life for me. Died for my sins. Not only that, verse 14 says that he came to destroy... Uh, notice verse 14, to destroy him who had the power of death. Verse 14 again I'm looking at. And actually it doesn't mean that Christ came to literally destroy Satan but to, um, or to annihilate him, but to render him powerless or render him inoperative. Uh, Satan is not destroyed now. In fact, he's very active in our world. Uh, you've heard the verse many times, be sober, be vigilant, because uh, your adversary, the devil, walks about as a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. Satan is very active in our world today. And uh, we thank the Lord that we belong to Jesus Christ and we do not have to live in fear of Satan. We'll be touching on this. But uh, you'll notice the text says, that through death he might render an operator powerless, he who had the power of death. Now, when it talks about Satan having the power over death, that means over the realm of death. And the idea is this. Because Satan encourages people to sin and be disobedient to God, and he wants people to stay in sin, he has authority uh, over the realm of death. Okay, But God ultimately has the authority over death. Uh, Jesus said, uh, I am he who was dead, and behold, I am alive forever, and I have the keys of Hades and of death. Um, the Lord only. And this is why when um, a Christian loved one dies, and sometimes we think the timing is not the way I would like it to be, Probably all of us have had friends and loved ones and relatives. And we say, the, 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 the timing of this. But they did know Jesus as their Savior. And now they're in the presence of the Lord. How awesome that is. And I promise the Lord I would never, ever have a memorial service without mentioning John 11:25, where Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. And the one who believes in me, even though he or she may die, yet shall she live. And whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. And that's what Jesus came to do. That's what we celebrate at the table this morning. Yeah, Satan, uh, his power over death is in the realm of his... um, realm of his... um, Outreach, realm of his sphere of influence. Those who do not know Christ are in the kingdom of darkness. We who know Christ we're in the kingdom of God's dear Son. And Satan can only do what is permitted by God. And if you want to stay encouraged with um, knowing that Satan can get on people's backs as I hear people say this all the time, you go to the book of Job where God said to Satan himself, God said, all that he has and Job was going to experience great trials, is in your power, only don't lay a hand on his person. You can't take him. The Lord has control. Absolutely control. Colossians 1.13, He has delivered us from the power of darkness and translated us into the kingdom of His dear Son. Now, again, the passage is causing us to see Christ has power over Satan. He came to defeat that power. In fact, um, the one mighty weapon that uh, Satan uses in our world today is actually his ability to deceive. He's the deceiver. I'm going to read some terms for you in just a moment. Uh, Satan. Revelation 12, verse 9. Uh, the class that meets in here is studying the book of Revelation. Revelation 12, 9 says Satan is the one who deceives the whole world. Deceives the world in saying, oh, other religions will take you to heaven. If you live a good life, if you be good to others, you'll go to heaven. No, that's not what the Word of God says. Satan is the deceiver. And his chief lie is two, has two parts to it. One is... <clears throat> That self-exaltation is much better than Christ-exaltation. And that sin is preferable to righteousness. I'm going to repeat the last one. Satan makes people think that sin is preferable to righteousness before God. And that is clearly seen in the case of abortion, where God... Preserves life. He gives life and he wants us to preserve life. But there are people who actually believe that uh, abortion is good. And the Bible says, Woe to those who call evil good and good evil. That would be a classic example of Isaiah chapter 5 verse 20. Woe to those. Satan encourages people to desire sin above living righteously before God. And what Jesus Christ did when He died on the cross for our sins, He took from Satan that one lethal weapon that Satan has, and that is to keep people in their sin, unforgiven sin. One of the things we're most thankful for this morning is that the blood of Jesus Christ, God's Son, cleanses us from all sin. What a Savior we have. What an awesome Savior. But Satan, you see, he he blinds people's minds. Um, Listen to these. I jotted these down. We'll come to the table in just a minute. Satan is called. I'm going to mention these. I'm going to give you the reference to He's called a cunning deceiver, 2 Corinthians 11. He's called the adversary, 1 Peter 5. He's called the father of lies, John 8. He's called the slanderer. Revelation 13. He's called the tempter. Matthew 4. He's called the destroyer. Revelation 9. He's called the thief that comes to kill and destroy. John 10. He's called a murderer. He's called the serpent. He's called the dragon. Revelation 12. He's called the evil one. Matthew 13. He's called the accuser of the brethren. He's called the ruler of the darkness of the world. He's called the one who blinds men's minds. Pretty active, huh? Pretty active in our world. Christ came to destroy the power of Satan who is the devil. And He also came, and we'll leave this and come to the table in a good note. He came to be a faithful and merciful high priest. Notice the text again. Verse 17. Therefore in all things... He had to be made like his brethren. Again, he took upon himself flesh and blood that he might be a faithful and merciful high priest in things pertaining to God to make propitiation or satisfaction for the sins. He is our representative before God. Now, I believe this is the only book in the New Testament where Jesus is referred to as our high priest. Now, the readers of this book fully understood what the writer was talking about. Um, some of the people who read this letter uh, were thinking about, well, uh, they were. Th- some of them were thinking about going back into Old Testament Judaism. And apparently at the time this letter was written, the temple had not yet been destroyed in Jerusalem. But how amazing that the writer says, now look, Jesus Christ is our great high priest. And why did he come? He he came to make sacrifice for our sins, to make forgiveness. Remember, Satan wants people to stay in unforgiveness. Jesus Christ came that he could forgive us. And how wonderful if we confess our sins. He is so faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. When we come to that table this morning, when we eat that bread and drink the fruit of the vine, We're going to say, thank you so much, Lord, that you have forgiven my sin. A high priest was one who uh, interceded for the people of Israel, uh, for the nation before God. And Hebrews 7.25 says that Jesus ever lives to make intercession for us. What an awesome, absolutely awesome Savior we have. Go over just quickly uh, to chapter 4 and pick it up at verse 14. And then we'll come to the table together. 4.14 See then we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens. Remember he died on the cross. He was buried. He rose again. And he ascended back up into heaven. Jesus the Son of God let us hold fast to our confession. For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with us in our weaknesses but was in all points tempted as we are Yet without sin. See Jesus. I mean, He understands us. He knows when you're going through struggles. He knows when you're tempted to sin. He knows when you you you're, you're tempted to slack off in what God wants you to do. He knows that. He was in all points tempted as we are, yet without sin. Therefore, let us come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Jesus Christ is there for us. He is there for us. And I put a little note in your bulletin uh, at the front of it where it says, you know, because uh, we can go to the throne of grace, uh, we can give the Lord our needs and our concerns and know that He is going to help us, we should not neglect to pray. In fact, let's catch up this morning we all have deep concerns of our hearts. And uh, all the enemy of our souls was like, oh, you know, you know don't, it's not going to do anything to pray about that. You know, uh, Look how long God hasn't answered that prayer. And it's, a, it's amazing the thoughts that can run across our mind with regards to the coming to the throne of grace. But what does the text say in Hebrews 4? It says we're to go boldly to the throne of grace That we might obtain mercy and find help in time of need. And if you want to hear a good testimony service, get together with some other believers and say, you know, how did God answer some of your prayers this week? (laughs) What did the Lord do for you this week? I know what He did for me. I'm thankful that I'm here this morning. (laughs) He takes care of us because He destroyed the power of Satan. And remember that. That's very important. Satan... Dr. Pentecost Seminary, he said, Satan has no authority over your life. He destroyed the power of Satan. That's why the text says in James 4, 7, Submit yourselves therefore to God, say no to the devil, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. And that is an amazing verse. I've showed that verse to some people, and they've said, well, I've never seen that before. Yes, you have authority through Christ, and Satan will flee as you submit yourself to our precious Lord. Let's pray.